podcast is a proud member of the CypherCast Network. Discover more at CypherCast.net and follow us on Twitter at CypherCast.net. Welcome to Incantations, an Invisible Sun podcast. I'm Scott. And I'm Dave. And we will be your guides along the path of suns. Today we sing, My Path Takes Me Strange Places, wherein we talk about creatures you may encounter under the green sun. Join us on the path of suns, and we may uncover a secret or two. When we cast My Path Takes Me Strange Places, we discuss the setting of Invisible Sun. It's time for us now to move to the green sun and talk about the various creatures one, uh, one might encounter there. It's uh, useful to remember the green has a variety of, of representations, or I should say it represents a variety of themes. Most obviously, uh, kind of the cycle of life and uh, nature and biology, but it also represents uh, parenting as a very specific uh, theme, as well as the present which is not very specific, uh, but is one of the broader themes that the, and, and less obvious themes that the green represents. Uh, and we'll see some of these themes emerge from our discussion of the creatures that are, that are described in teratology uh, and uh, talk about how we could use them in different uh, encounters, uh, how they could serve our stories, and what they can teach us about designing our own creatures for, uh, the, uh, for the green sun. Uh, there's another aspect that green represents, which is travel. Oh, that's right. That's particularly important when you have weavers, uh, or you're trying to designate a spell as, ha as uh, assigning it to a particular sun. Uh, and that travel has this uh, green aspect, even though again, it's, 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 uh, it's not directly obvious, uh, from our usual associations of green with nature. Uh, but it's, there's a lot of travel spells, <laughs> and often you'll want to travel, and so knowing that's associated with green magic is important. Well, we'll go through roughly uh, alphabetically, not all of the creatures, but some that stand out that are useful to discuss uh, what, what, how they can serve our stories and what they can teach us. A, a good uh, basic example is the first in the book, which is the Avaranus. The Avaranus uh, can be described relatively easily. It is a lion that bleeds flowers. And if it damages you, you bleed flowers too. Uh, that's an example of a creature that has, that has some touchstone to our world, something that people will recognize, but uh, that has something strange about it, a twist that makes it different and more surreal than it would otherwise be. So it makes you bleed flowers. Yes. Also, it is itself uh, herbivorous, but I could see if you got on this wrong side, even an herbivore uh, might not be very happy uh, with you interfering with its hunt or something along those lines, or I guess it would be gathering. Uh, and so you might, this is sort of a, you know, an animal, uh, a basic sort of animal that you might run into in a forest, um, except it has this surreal aspect to it. Uh, so you can, again, use this as an example of how you might take a forest creature, though a, a lion's not really a forest creature, but imagine a bear or a forest creature and then just add a twist to it uh, to make it stand out as a resident under the green sun. All right. So this thing's an herbivore hunter. 
That means, as I'm reading it, it is an herbivore, right? Yes. I don't think it's hunting herbivores. But I, I think it, it is an herbivore. But under the green sun, it's possible plants move. Oh, yeah, definitely possible. Um, but then, you know, it's uh, when it strikes something, it causes you to bleed flowers, which seems like it would be totally fine with eating that, right, as an herbivore? Yeah, it could be that it, it could even attack a car, a, uh, a meat bag. Yes, a meat bag, uh, and then feed off of the resulting flowers that it bleeds. That might even be its primary means of... Uh, of food, I, I, uh, you could kind of play with that, mm-hmm. or it could be that it it usually eats only plants, some of which it has to hunt because plants can, might be moving around and in under the green sun they may even have some degree of sentience. Uh, but uh, you might if, if you interfere with its hunt, then it might make an exception to uh, try to run off a, a bag of meat uh, instead of its usual diet of uh, of, er, of uh, plants. Yeah. yeah, neat. And again, this is a model you can borrow and just reskin as being, instead of being a lion, it could be a bear. Right. Um, or instead of bleeding flowers, it might bleed bubbles. Uh, you could you could play with this sort of model to go at different directions depending upon what serves your particular story, but it's a good basis on which to build. Um, so what is a, what is a babbler? A babbler is a dirty blob of flesh from some leech world. This gets into the section uh, from some of the previous books, I I think probably the path about how the green has a conspicuously large number of kind of sub worlds or fragment worlds that they call leech worlds that are spawned off of the green sun itself. And they tend to have their own bizarre uh, physics and their own bizarre uh, rules. And so these are the, you know, the, the, the worlds that sort of, really press your imagination as to what is a sustainable ecosystem. Uh, you might say they're a little, you know, Lovecraftian or uh, weird in that sense, uh, though mm-hmm. not necessarily uh, malicious. And the babbler is a, re- is a, maybe a refugee from one of those, or it could be a resident. You could, you could find it there. Um, it is a rolling and bouncing nodule of flesh covered in filthy hair. And also having multiple mouths hidden by that hair. So it's a gibbering mouther with nice hair? It's a gibbering mouther spun at a high speed and low gravity, so it becomes kind of spherical. Uh-huh. Uh, it also kind of reminds me of the, the bouncing balls from Futurama, from the ball planet that Earth invades. Oh man, I don't remember that one. <laughs> um, uh, yes. Mm. I'm going to have to watch that series with my kids after we finish The Simpsons. Yes, uh, it's it, it, Futurama holds up really well. Oh, yeah, it does. Uh, but it's those are bouncing ball creatures. It's, it's basically a spoof on Starship Troopers. And uh, a war, like War is Heck or something is the name of it. I can't remember the name. Oh, uh, the Futurama episode? Yeah. Oh, but I this thought case, we were talking about babblers again. No, no, the, the babblers are ba- bouncing nodules of flesh, though. So they're similar sort of bouncing balls. Uh, except they have they're covered in hair, which is kind of nasty. Uh, and underneath that hair are mouths that will bite you, which is also kind of nasty. This feels like more of a reflection of the night side of green to me. Well, and, and it's hard to tell what is different between the night side of green and various leech worlds. 
that do have similar uh, aspects to them, as you might expect from the Night Side of Green. Yeah, the Leech Worlds are described as parasitic universes, uh, which makes me think of Nightside. Uh, that right. parasitic nature is, you know, kind of what calls me to it. Right, and uh, just because that isn't weird enough, the babblers also have an attack that can cause mouths to grow on a nearby corporeal being. Oh, that's so good. <laughs> so uh, if it if you like mouths, it can give you even more mouths. And then those mouths can then bite the victim. Yes. <laughs> so again, this is these are the weird sorts of creatures one might expect to find under the green uh, sun. That's a really good name for the ability to induce orifice. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, that's good. I like it. <laughs> oh, um, not all of the creatures under the green sun are as bizarre as that. Though I guess this is still bizarre, but beautiful in its way. The mouth of the There's babbler? also... Th uh, <laughs> after the babbler. Okay. Um, there's also the Celestine, which is angelic, but also insectoid. So this is angelic as an adjective, not necessarily a member of the legacy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, um, being the first word in the sentence, who knows if it's capitalized? That's true. It's an, it, it says angelic being uh, covered in feathered wings, but with a head it of does an enormous feel very insect. Descriptive. Yes. Uh, it is most... Uh, closely related with passivity because it can uh, basically transform a weapon into a, an equivalent harmless object. And that includes natural weapons like claws. Yeah. Or magic weapons created by a maker. Absolutely. Uh, it is often suggested one not mess with items that characters are given because they tend to players tend to really hate working hard to get a magic item than to have it disenchanted or lost in some way. <laughs> oh <But> yeah. <laughs> this is a way you could do it because all it takes is a Celestine. I've I've found that the threat of depletion is sufficient. Right. Uh, and I don't think you you could also play with the permanence of the transformation. So it's permanent until reversed or something along those lines, and then introduce a mechanism by which they could reverse this transformation. Because when their uh, wonderful magical sword made of a song is transformed into a nerf uh, bat that only plays nursery rhymes, uh, they might want to get that sword back. And while it says this is a permanent transformation, uh, nothing's all that permanent in no. uh, in, in Saturine uh, or the actuality. So it's permanent until it is reversed. Uh, but it, this could definitely play with uh, players' expectations because it's a creature that doesn't attack them. It's a creature that prevents them from attacking. Attacking with weapons. Right. Well, beyond that, it also has an ability that... It, a touch attack, basically, that I guess you could say curses a creature to not be able to take a hostile action. Yeah, so it's a, a really effective hippie. <laughs> yes, with an insect head. Yeah. Interestingly, the traits include angry and unsatisfied. So <laughs> it's a cranky hippie. A little further into the list, we have... I thought it was a fun little creature with a connection to uh, RPG lore. That is the Illusine, which as far as I can tell is simply a blink weasel. Cool. Uh, so you can only hit it when you roll even? Well, it is not 
able to be attacked. Let's see. Um, shift. No. Yes. Um, well, it, it can shift around like a, more like a uh, like a uh, like a dimension door almost. But it says it can shift through time and space ever so slightly, allowing it to get the drop on prey yeah, and landing on an the... attack moments before launching the attack. Mm hmm. So, yeah, that's it's it, this is interesting. Um, this is one modification that I haven't really seen on a lot of creatures, which is modification to attacks. Mm -hmm. And this has a, a bonus to its attacks, which um, I kind of under the hood have been giving most of my NPCs and creatures. Right, because this layer very powerful. Yeah, this layer super powerful. Yeah. In this case, it's a level five creature with a plus five to attack. That means mm -hmm. its attacks are, are at 10. Yeah, but this thing is not magical. Like it's magical, yes, right. but it's it doesn't have magic defenses. It just has good defenses. And I've found that, you know, requiring one success is a pretty surmountable task. Right. Especially since its defenses really aren't that high. Its dodge defense is pretty high. Yes. Um but uh, it doesn't have, since it doesn't require magic to affect it, uh, especially by the time you're tier two or three, players are throwing around a lot of damage. So this is like a glass cannon blink weasel. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, if this blink weasel came up against uh, my players, uh, you know, they they can roll uh, 10 to 14 pretty easily without even touching the dice. <laughs> right. Uh, later in the list, mm. we have something that appealed to my interests, which of course is a mushroom creature. Ah, uh, mushroom creatures. Oh, I remember getting this book uh, right after I had my players encounter a really cranky mushroom. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this is a fun uh, example of a mushroom creature. Uh, it's still relatively simple. This is a creature that does require two successes to affect because it has magical defenses. Mm -hmm. uh, it is... Its traits include ruinous and single-minded, just again interesting personality traits. But what I like most is that it um, has both sort of a direct physical attack and more of a mental uh, sort of attack because it can cause decay, uh, causing character uh, creatures or plants to age rapidly and taking damage. Mm -hmm. But it also can sink roots beneath the skin of a nearby creature, causing hallucinations. Uh, that yeah. actually creates two Vex in perception. Yeah, and Vex Vex is a a real important tool for a GM when you want to like rein in your your players just a little bit. And this is another example of a creature I think is really a starting point. You might use this as the basis for designing other similar mushroom creatures that deviate just on kind of one dimension at a time. Mm -hmm. Maybe a different attack. Uh, or a different defense or something along those lines. Uh, but you could use this as the foundation on which to, to build out an array of different mushroom creatures. So you could have your little myconid colony with uh, different types of, uh, of these mushroom creatures running around. Well, I mean, how else would you twist these mushrooms? Like mushrooms, they are like this sort of illustrates what mushrooms do in the life cycle, which is they, you know, they decay. They, you know, take nutrients and convert them into, you know, dirt. So what else well, are mushrooms good for? Um, or bad for, in the sense that you can make them some of them poisonous. Mm -hmm. uh, you could make some of them more armored. 
you can make some of them uh, smaller and squishier, but somehow maybe more more mobile or something along those lines. You could make a giant hive mind mushroom that lives over the like expanse of like a hundred square miles in the green. Right. That's that's not even all that weird for our world. No, it, not until at it all. starts talking to you. Yeah, yeah. It would be super smart <laughs> and would talk and knows how to use magic. Yes. So there's like this is something you could use as sort of inspiration to build out many more creatures under the green sun. But they're, they're, they have, they're, they are jamming a lot of creatures into this book and that the world is so big that I'm sure you'll want to populate the green sun with more than is available mm-hmm. in this particular section. Uh, next, I want to talk about the Ozostomic serpent. Mm, good pronunciation. <laughs> I think that's how it's pronounced. It looks, it looks right. like it. Uh, this one, just I, I was amused because it's a, a creature for people who like serpents. They like serpents so much that they want a giant serpent that has a breath weapon made of serpents. Yeah, kind of like dogs that bark bees out of their mouths. Well, it'd be like dogs barking dogs out of their mouths. Right. <laughs> yeah, it's, it definitely takes serpent uh, seriously. Breath uh, of and vipers. I think it would be, yeah, breath of vipers is, is something that your players will likely remember. Oh, man. Three vex to their movement. Uh, that's that's great. <laughs> yeah, that was that one's a lot of fun. Um, even though it seems almost cliche. Uh, also, it, it, this is an example of a creature. I haven't mentioned this before, um, but I am seeing more of these as I go along and, and read more carefully. This is a creature that doesn't follow the kind of the the very simple um, uh, health expectations where you have like uh if you're level three you have three injuries three mm-hmm. wounds and three anguish instead here uh the ozostomic serpent can only withstand four anguish so there's some creatures who are much better at withstanding wounds than they are anguish and vice versa yeah this thing can take a lot of wounds and it can take a lot of anguish but not as much not as much right uh, it also doesn't have magical defenses yep but the way the, the most efficient means to take this down would be through some sort of psychic damage, give it a really bad headache, or maybe that lycosphylum could give a, give you a hallucination it particularly hates. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, dragon that spits dragons is great. Uh, I think what may be my favorite of the creatures in the um, the green sun is the, let's see, Coralax cat. Cool. I like the Coralax cat. There's a, there's an illustration of the Coralax cat, which makes it even better. Mm-hmm. This is a fun creature that takes advantage of the magic heavy ecosystem of uh, of Invisible Sun. It is a hairless cat with large fungal growths covering its back. Uh, and without going into too much detail, it converts attacks against it that are magical in nature into these fungal growths that simply then bud off. So it, it takes very little damage from magical attacks. Yeah, and that's uh, that's one of those tools that you're gonna you're gonna want to find as a GM uh, because magic gets extremely powerful, and finding counters that don't feel completely cheap and uh, contrived is something that I've been trying to figure out. So I'm this this my... is this is an interesting twist on that. Yeah, this only has one trait. It is hungry. <laughs> <laughs> Most of them have three traits, but this one is just hungry three times, I guess. 
yeah, this cat is super interesting. What what is this duplication that it can do? It creates a spore cloud that duplicates a target. Mm-hmm. And that target, that duplicate, then defends the cat. And can use spells or abilities of the duplicated target. Yes. Well, one spell or ability. Yes. Interesting. So if you have uh, characters who are tuned and have really invested in one ability, ooh, they might be feeling that. Yeah. Um, that's an interesting union. <laughs> that combination means this could really ruin a party's day. Sure does. I'm going to have to keep that one in mind. Um, so uh, one of the creatures that I pulled at my last session was the Virtuous Lover. Uh, which I thought was an interesting uh, a little encounter to spring on my players. Uh, they had just jumped away from uh, they had just jumped away from a location in the dark, and they had decided that they should go to the night side of green uh, because they the uh, I forget exactly what it was, but it was a partial success, and it locked a, a gate to a disadvantageous uh, location for them. And they said, Nightside of Green seems like a, a place that's better than where we are, but not that much better. Um, so they ended up in the Nightside of Green, and I was scanning through here real quickly, and I said, hey, this Virtuous Lover might be a good little encounter to have them deal with uh, on the Nightside of Green. This is a, a mass of entwined leafy vines that it has a human-like proportions and head and arms and it moves like a person and it seeks a human to love it and it becomes enraged if it fails and this is another thing that makes me think of the night side of green it's like it's life it's seeking something and then it you know it becomes angered if it doesn't get what it's looking for uh it feels more night side than regular green to me yeah, I'm still sorting out what the night side really represents. And I'm looking forward to more insight on that with our night side book in probably the next year. Yeah, that would be really interesting. Like night side green to me feel like I keep thinking uh, unchecked growth, cancer, uh, poison, uh, parasitic relationships and things like that. Yeah, I think that's that's how I'm thinking of it right now, too. Kind of inharmonious growth yes. or inharmonious nature. Though what that means for the other themes, like the present and uh, transportation, I don't exactly know because it may be transportation at a cost. Yeah. Um, and it's important to note that the night side isn't a direct opposite of what the you know regular version of the sun is. Um, right. So it's it's a it's an interesting you know, topic to think about. So yeah, maybe we'll revisit, maybe we'll revisit the night side stuff at some point. I suspect when that book comes out, we'll definitely want to talk about it more. Yeah. Uh, cool. Do we have any other creatures that we want to touch on before we wrap this up? I think that's a good sampler. There's other creatures. We don't want to talk about all of them or go into too much detail. Cause we do recommend you go get the book, but uh, it is uh, a fun to see these creatures and uh, the way that they represent different aspects of the green and may inspire modified versions or alternative reskins of the same creatures, even though there's only, you know, five or six pages of creatures of the green. Mm hmm. This ends our walk. 
Maybe you discovered something today. Maybe you need to look closer. The music was titled Beyond from Wes Otis and Plate Mail Games. It is available from DriveThruRPG. Invisible Sun is the intellectual property of Monty Cook Games. You can find a link to their website in the show notes. You can find our blog at incantationspodcast.blogspot.com or email us at incantationspodcast at gmail.com. You can find me at Agonseer, that's at A-G-O-N-S-E-E-R, on Twitter. And you can find me at Tex underscore Red on Twitter. So please leave us a rating and a review on iTunes uh, or whichever uh, podcast app you are using. Uh, it really helps us out. Uh, we also like seeing ratings and reviews, whether they're good or bad. Uh, or else just tell a friend about the show. That's another great way to get the word out and ha help people find us.